part three chapter five section one of the possessed by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three chapter five a wanderer section one the catastrophe with liza and the death of marya timofyevna made an overwhelming impression on shatov i have already mentioned that that morning i met him in passing he seemed to me not himself he told me among other things that on the evening before at nine o'clock that is three hours before the fire had broken out he had been at marya timofyevna's he went in the morning to look at the corpses but as far as i know gave no evidence of any sort that morning meanwhile towards the end of the day there was a perfect tempest in his soul and i think i can say with certainty that there was a moment at dusk when he wanted to get up go out and tell everything what that everything was no one but he could say of course he would have achieved nothing and would have simply betrayed himself he had no proofs whatever with which to convict the perpetrators of the crime and indeed he had nothing but vague conjectures to go upon though to him they amounted to complete certainty but he was ready to ruin himself if he could only crush the scoundrels his own words pyotr stepanovitch had guessed fairly correctly at this impulse in him and he knew himself that he was risking a great deal in putting off the execution of his new awful project till next day on his side there was as usual great self-confidence and contempt for all these wretched creatures and for shatov in particular he had for years despised shatov for his whining idiocy as he had expressed it in former days abroad and he was absolutely confident that he could deal with such a guileless creature that is keep an eye on him all that day and put a check on him at the first sign of danger yet what saved the scoundrels for a short time was something quite unexpected which they had not foreseen towards eight o'clock in the evening at the very time when the quintet was meeting at erkel's and waiting in indignation and excitement for pyotr stepanovitch shatov was lying in the dark on his bed with a headache and a slight chill he was tortured by uncertainty he was angry he kept making up his mind and could not make it up finally and felt with a curse that it would all lead to nothing gradually he sank into a brief doze and had something like a nightmare he dreamt that he was lying on his bed tied up with cords and unable to stir and meantime he heard a terrible banging that echoed all over the house a banging on the fence at the gate at his door in kirillov's lodge so that the whole house was shaking and a far-away familiar voice that wrung his heart was calling to him piteously he suddenly woke and sat up in bed to his surprise the banging at the gate went on though not nearly so violent as it had seemed in his dream the knocks were repeated and persistent and the strange voice that wrung his heart could still be heard below at the gate though not piteously but angrily and impatiently alternating with another voice more restrained and ordinary he jumped up opened the casement pane and put his head out who's there he called literally numb with terror if you are shatov the answer came harshly and resolutely from below be so good as to tell me straight out and honestly whether you agree to let me in or not it was true he recognized the voice marie is it you yes yes marya shatov and i assure you i can't keep the driver a minute longer this minute i'll get a candle shatov cried faintly then he rushed to look for the matches the matches as always happens at such moments could not be found 
he dropped the candlestick and the candle on the floor and as soon as he heard the impatient voice from below again he abandoned the search and dashed down the steep stairs to open the gate be so good as to hold the bag while i settle with this blockhead was how madame marya shatov greeted him below and she thrust into his hands a rather light cheap canvas handbag studded with brass nails of dresden manufacture she attacked the driver with exasperation allow me to tell you you are asking too much if you've been driving me for an extra hour through these filthy streets that's your fault because it seems you didn't know where to find the stupid street an imbecile house take your thirty kopecks and make up your mind that you'll get nothing more ech lady you told me yourself voznesensky street and this is bogoyavlensky voznesensky is ever so far away you've simply put the horse into a steam voznesensky bogoyavlensky you ought to know all these stupid names better than i do as you are an inhabitant besides you are unfair i told you first of all filipov's house and you declared you knew it in any case you can have me up to-morrow in the local court but now i beg you to leave me alone here here's another five kopecks with eager haste shatov pulled a five kopeck piece out of his pocket and gave it to the driver do me a favour i beg you don't dare do that madame shatov flared up but the driver drove off and shatov taking her hand drew her through the gate make haste marie make haste that's no matter and you are wet through take care we go up here how sorry i am there's no light the stairs are steep hold tight hold tight well this is my room excuse my having no light one minute he picked up the candlestick but it was a long time before the matches were found madame shatov stood waiting in the middle of the room silent and motionless thank god here they are at last he cried joyfully lighting up the room marya shatov took a cursory survey of his abode they told me you lived in a poor way but i didn't expect it to be as bad as this she pronounced with an air of disgust and she moved towards the bed oh i am tired she sat down on the hard bed with an exhausted air please put down the bag and sit down on the chair yourself just as you like though you are in the way standing there i have come to you for a time till i can get work because i know nothing of this place and i have no mercy but if i shall be in your way i beg you again be so good as to tell me so at once as you are bound to do if you are an honest man i could sell something to-morrow and pay for a room at an hotel but you must take me to the hotel yourself oh but i am tired shatov was all of a tremor you mustn't marie you mustn't go to an hotel an hotel what for what for he clasped his hands imploringly well if i can get on without the hotel i must anyway explain the position remember shatov that we lived in geneva as man and wife for a fortnight and a few days it's three years since we parted without any particular quarrel though but don't imagine that i've come back to renew any of the foolishness of the past i've come back to look for work and that i've come straight to this town is just because it's all the same to me i've not come to say i am sorry for anything please don't imagine anything so stupid as that oh marie this is unnecessary quite unnecessary shatov muttered vaguely if so if you are so far developed as to be able to understand that i may allow myself to add that if i've come straight to you now and am in your lodging it's partly because i always thought you were far from being a scoundrel and were perhaps much better than other blackguards her eyes flashed she must have had to bear a great deal at the hands of some blackguards 
and please believe me i wasn't laughing at you just now when i told you you were good i spoke plainly without fine phrases and i can't endure them but that's all nonsense i always hoped you would have sense enough not to pester me enough i am tired and she bent on him a long harassed and weary gaze shatov stood facing her at the other end of the room which was five paces away and listened to her timidly with a look of new life and unwonted radiance on his face this strong rugged man all bristles on the surface was suddenly all softness and shining gladness there was a thrill of extraordinary and unexpected feeling in his soul three years of separation three years of the broken marriage had effaced nothing from his heart and perhaps every day during those three years he had dreamed of her of that beloved being who had once said to him i love you knowing shatov i can say with certainty that he could never have allowed himself even to dream that a woman might say to him i love you he was savagely modest and chaste he looked on himself as a perfect monster detested his own face as well as his character compared himself to some freak only fit to be exhibited at fairs consequently he valued honesty above everything and was fanatically devoted to his convictions he was gloomy proud easily moved to wrath and sparing of words but here was the one being who had loved him for a fortnight that he had never doubted never a being he had always considered immeasurably above him in spite of his perfectly sober understanding of her errors a being to whom he could forgive everything everything of that there could be no question indeed it was quite the other way his idea was that he was entirely to blame this woman this marya shatov was in his house in his presence again it was almost inconceivable he was so overcome there was so much that was terrible and at the same time so much happiness in this event that he could not perhaps would not perhaps was afraid to realize the position it was a dream but when she looked at him with that harassed gaze he suddenly understood that this woman he loved so dearly was suffering perhaps had been wronged his heart went cold he looked at her features with anguish the first bloom of youth had long faded from this exhausted face it's true that she was still good-looking in his eyes a beauty as she had always been in reality she was a woman of twenty-five rather strongly built above the medium height taller than shatov with abundant dark brown hair a pale oval face and large dark eyes now glittering with feverish brilliance but the light-hearted naive and good-natured energy he had known so well in the past was replaced now by a sullen irritability and disillusionment a sort of cynicism which was not yet habitual to her herself and which weighed upon her but the chief thing was that she was ill that he could see clearly in spite of the awe in which he stood of her he suddenly went up to her and took her by both hands marie you know you are very tired perhaps for god's sake don't be angry if you'd consent to have some tea for instance eh tea picks one up so doesn't it if you'd consent why talk about consenting of course i consent what a baby you are still get me some if you can how cramped you are here how cold it is oh i'll get some logs for the fire directly some logs i've got logs shatov was all astir logs uh, that is but i'll get tea directly he waved his hand as though with desperate determination and snatched up his cap where are you going so you've no tea in the house there shall be there shall be there shall be there shall be everything directly i i he took his revolver from the shelf i'll sell this revolver directly or pawn it what foolishness and what a time that will take take my money if you've nothing 
there's eighty kopecks here i think that's all i have this is like a madhouse i don't want your money i don't want it i'll be here directly in one instant i can manage without the revolver and he rushed straight to kirillov's this was probably two hours before the visit of pyotr stepanovitch and liputin to kirillov though shatov and kirillov lived in the same yard they hardly ever saw each other and when they met they did not nod or speak they had been too long lying side by side in america kirillov you always have tea have you got tea and a samovar kirillov who was walking up and down the room as he was in the habit of doing all night stopped and looked intently at his hurried visitor though without much surprise i've got tea and sugar and a samovar but there's no need of the samovar the tea is hot sit down and simply drink it kirillov we lay side by side in america my wife has come to me i give me the tea i shall want the samovar if your wife is here you want the samovar but take it later i've too and now take the teapot from the table it's hot boiling hot take everything take the sugar all of it bread there's plenty of bread all of it there's some veal i've a rouble give it me friend i'll pay it back to-morrow ah kirillov is it the same wife who was in switzerland that's a good thing and you're running in like this that's a good thing too kirillov cried shatov taking the teapot under his arm and carrying the bread and sugar in both hands kirillov if if you could get rid of your dreadful fancies and give up your atheistic ravings oh what a man you'd be kirillov one can see you love your wife after switzerland it's a good thing you do after switzerland when you want tea come again you can come all night i don't sleep at all there'll be a samovar take the rouble here it is go to your wife i'll stay here and think about you and your wife Maria shatov was unmistakably pleased at her husband's haste and fell upon the tea almost greedily but there was no need to run for the samovar she drank only half a cup and swallowed a tiny piece of bread the veal she refused with disgust and irritation you are ill marie all this is a sign of illness shatov remarked timidly as he waited upon her of course i'm ill please sit down where did you get the tea if you haven't any shatov told her about kirillov briefly she had heard something of him i know he is mad say no more please there are plenty of fools so you've been in america i heard you wrote yes i-i wrote to you in paris enough please talk of something else are you a slavophile in your convictions i-i am not exactly since i cannot be a russian i became a slavophile he smiled a wry smile with the effort of one who feels he has made a strained and inappropriate jest why aren't you a russian no i'm not well that's all foolishness do sit down i entreat you why are you all over the place do you think i am light-headed perhaps i shall be you say there are only you two in the house yes downstairs and both such clever people what is there downstairs you said downstairs no nothing why nothing i want to know i only meant to say that now we are only two in the yard but that the lebyadkins used to live downstairs that woman who was murdered last night she started suddenly i heard of it i heard of it as soon as i arrived there was a fire here wasn't there yes marie yes and perhaps i am doing a scoundrelly thing this moment in forgiving the scoundrels he stood up suddenly and paced about the room raising his arms as though in a frenzy but marie had not quite understood him she heard his answers inattentively she asked questions but did not listen 
fine things are being done among you oh how contemptible it all is what scoundrels men all are but do sit down i beg you oh how you exasperate me and she let her head sink on the pillow exhausted marie i won't perhaps you'll lie down marie she made no answer and closed her eyes helplessly her pale face looked death-like she fell asleep almost instantly shatov looked round snuffed the candle looked uneasily at her face once more pressed his hands tight in front of him and walked on tiptoe out of the room into the passage at the top of the stairs he stood in the corner with his face to the wall and remained so for ten minutes without sound or movement he would have stood there longer but he suddenly caught the sound of soft cautious steps below someone was coming up the stairs shatov remembered he had forgotten to fasten the gate who's there he asked in a whisper the unknown visitor went on slowly mounting the stairs without answering when he reached the top he stood still it was impossible to see his face in the dark suddenly shatov heard the cautious question ivan shatov shatov said who he was but at once held out his hand to check his advance the latter took his hand and shatov shuddered as though he had touched some terrible reptile stand here he whispered quickly don't go in i can't receive you just now my wife has come back i'll fetch the candle when he returned with the candle he found a young officer standing there he did not know his name but he had seen him before erkel said the lad introducing himself you've seen me at virginsky's i remember you sat writing listen said shatov in sudden excitement going up to him frantically but still talking in a whisper you gave me a sign just now when you took my hand but you know i can treat all these signals with contempt i don't acknowledge them i don't want them i can throw you downstairs this minute do you know that no i know nothing about that and i don't know what you are in such a rage about the visitor answered without malice and almost ingenuously i have only to give you a message and that's what i've come for being particularly anxious not to lose time you have a printing press which does not belong to you and of which you are bound to give an account as you know yourself i have received instructions to request you to give it up to-morrow at seven o'clock in the evening to liputin i have been instructed to tell you also that nothing more will be asked of you nothing absolutely nothing your request is granted and you are struck off our list i was instructed to tell you that positively who instructed you to tell me those who told me the sign have you come from abroad i-i think that's no matter to you oh hang it why didn't you come before if you were told to i followed certain instructions and was not alone i understand i understand that you were not alone eh hang it but why didn't liputin come himself so i shall come for you to-morrow at exactly six o'clock in the evening and will go there on foot there will be no one there but us three will verkovensky be there no he won't verkovensky is leaving the town at eleven o'clock to-morrow morning just what i thought shatov whispered furiously and he struck his fist on his hip he's run off the sneak he sank into agitated reflection erkel looked intently at him and waited in silence but how will you take it you can't simply pick it up in your hands and carry it there will be no need to you'll simply point out the place and we'll just make sure that it really is buried there we only know whereabouts the place is we don't know the place itself and have you pointed the place out to anyone else yet shatov looked at him you you a chit of a boy like you a silly boy like you 
you too have got caught in that net like a sheep yes that's just the young blood they want well go along Ech! that scoundrel's taken you all in and run away erkel looked at him serenely and calmly but did not seem to understand verkovensky verkovensky has run away shatov growled fiercely but he is still here he has not gone away he is not going till to-morrow erkel observed softly and persuasively i particularly begged him to be present as a witness my instructions all referred to him he explained frankly like a young and inexperienced boy but i regret to say he did not agree on the ground of his departure and he really is in a hurry shatov glanced compassionately at the simple youth again but suddenly gave a gesture of despair as though he thought they are not worth pitying all right i'll come he cut him short and now get away be off so i'll come for you at six o'clock punctually erkel made a courteous bow and walked deliberately downstairs little fool shatov could not help shouting after him from the top what is it responded the lad from the bottom nothing you can go i thought you said something end of part three chapter five section one recording by expatriate in bangor maine